Good morning. We are in part three of the PG series. That's Parental Guidance Suggested. We are doing six sessions together, so we're approaching the midway point from Mother's Day to Father's Day as we're giving encouragement for, really, parenting. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm not a parent, I picked a bad day. No, no, no. We, every week I'm really working at something that will touch each of our hearts, but particularly a parent's heart. So, we've been choosing titles that are titles from movies. So, the first one was The Parent Trap. The second one was Born Identity. And today, we're taking a look at The Blind Side. And so, today, we're addressing this as our focus. Our focus reads this way. Parents need to ask God to help them with their blind side. All right. So, you guys all aware of your blind side, right? Actually, you're not, because your blind side is that little blind spot in your uh, non-vision spot <laughs> that you don't know about, that just kind of catches you off guard. Uh, you're not aware that this is how you don't see your kids. You're not aware that this is what you miss. You're not aware. And so when that takes place, we get blindsided. So I have this question to get us started today. The question is, parents have blind spots. That's not a question. Here's the question. Chances are really good that you will be blindsided by your child. What will you do when that happens? Now, I'm already a grandpa, and so I've been through the parenting thing, now I'm going to, through the reparenting thing. Wait, that's not exactly right. But it, um, <clears throat> I still am learning. I want to be even a better grandpa. I mean, I aspire to be, you know, their favorite grandpa. No. That's not fair either, because there are other grandpas in this church too. Oh, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> what will you do when that happens? I've been blindsided as a parent, and I'm not going to tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you a parenting nightmare that's a lot more comfortable for me to tell you about. It's from a book. I'll read it to you later. But I totally identify with it. And if you've been a parent for any length of time, you will identify with it also. Even if you're a parent of young children, we get blindsided by events. It's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And then we're really, really struggling. Now, before we get into it, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of set us up for this a little bit by uh, talking about something that will feel like it's completely unrelated. I'll relate it later. In high church settings, traditions kind of grow. And traditions usually are sustained and remain a long time. And so many, many churches, people have been trained to greet each other this way. Somebody will say, peace be with you. And everybody knows that's a code word for you to respond. And they respond, and also to you. So we're going to just try that. I know we're not high church, okay? We're just going to try it out. I'm going to say, peace be with you, and you say, and also to you. Ready? Peace be with you. How do you feel? Does that feel good? I just gave peace to you. Peace be with you, and you gave it right back. To me, it does nothing for me. Really, it doesn't. In fact, it does less than nothing. I feel like, really? I mean, if you started saying that in the hallway, I'd go, mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> Not around here. That doesn't really work for us. You know, can you imagine? We're all chatting together around the, uh, you know, I don't know what it is for you. It's a Fig Newton for me. But maybe it's, maybe it's the only guy. Peace 
peace be with you. Yeah, and also to you. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's like, it just is not registering. So I'm thinking about starting a new tradition. It's going to go something like this. I say, I'm a mess. And you say, yeah, me too. All right? Let's just try that out. Okay, ready? I'm a mess. All right, now I have a question for you. How does that make you feel? Some of you actually like that less. You know, it's like, hmm. All right, so I'm not really advocating we're starting this new way of greeting each other in the hallway, obviously. I'm really talking about kind of patterns of thinking. Because if actually we got into the habit of thinking, I'm a mess, that would actually be a better pattern to be in. Now, some of you are uncomfortable even saying, yeah, me too, because you're thinking, I'm not a mess. We better not start that, because I'm not a mess. All right, I'm going to add a little phrase in front of it. Apart from Christ, I'm a mess. Now, if that doesn't resonate with you, let's have a talk, okay? In fact, oh, we are having a talk. I'm going to try to help us understand that that needs to resonate with us, that apart from Christ, I am a mess. And you would certainly go, yeah, me too. Because really the first critical step of finding help in any situation is to admit you need help. I'm a mess. And so when it comes to whatever it is you're dealing with, and this is where this hits all of us, I don't care if you're a parent or not a parent or wherever you're at, we need to get to that place where we can go, yeah, I need Christ. I need God in this situation. Because we're going to talk about some pretty out of control situations, uh, being blindsided as a parent, and now what? You're just sort of feeling like, oh, oh, I don't quite know what to do. Now, to bring that around a little bit more, I'm going to tell you an old preacher story. Wait, that makes me the old preacher. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you a story that's old that I heard when I was growing up. And I usually try to avoid these kind of stories because I used to think everybody's heard them already. But I'm coming to realize that I'm really old. And like the ones that I think everybody's heard, there's like, that's new to me. You know, it's like, okay, so I don't know if this is new or not. And I don't know how the story goes for real, but a guy is, for whatever reason, he falls over the edge of a cliff and he's scrambling as he's falling. It's getting steeper and steeper. And then he reaches and he finally grabs, there's a branch sticking out of the cliff. That was close. And he looks down. There's 500 more feet drop directly below him. And he's trying to get a perch with his Something else. There's nothing but a wall. There's nothing but his leg. He can't hold on here forever. And he's looking up. He goes, help. No word. Is there anybody up there? Help me. And then he hears a big booming voice. I'm up here. I'd be happy to help. I'm God. Okay. Help me. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Just let go, and I'll catch you. Is there anybody else out there? All right, so how many of you heard that song, that, that, that story? All right, one, two, three, four, three, four, three. All right, so, okay, I might tell you another old one sometime. The point is, when it, you're blindsided, 
in a parenting situation, if the answer is, let go, that is the scariest answer ever. And, and yet, that's part of the answer. It's like saying, I don't know what to do. I'm a mess. We're a mess. Our family's a mess. My kid's a mess. We're a big mess. And everybody should say, yeah, us too. And yet, when we look around at church, we think everybody else is perfect. They got a good family. They got a good family. They got a good family. I just dare not talk about where I'm at with my family because we're a mess. And yet, if we just admit, apart from Christ, we're a mess, that's very, very helpful. That is the start of letting go. I haven't gotten into what letting go really looks like yet. But that's what we're talking about today. Now, it's one thing to admit that you're a mess. It's something completely different to actually address the mess. And so, when we're talking about parenting, it's not enough to say, I'm a mess. We're talking about, okay, so how do I address this mess? That's what we're talking about today. If you're the kind of person that you like writing notes, there's an outline for you in the bulletin, and we're going to fill in a couple of blanks right now. Point number one is this. Trust in the outstretched arms. Trust in the outstretched arms. I'll explain that in a moment. We're only going to be in two verses today, but we're going to be in it over and over again today. So I'm going to ask you, if you brought your Bible, turn to Proverbs 3. If you didn't bring your Bible, turn to the Bible that's in the chair in front of you to page 439. The Bible that's in front of you to page 439. If you don't have a Bible of your own that's easy English, that reads like the way we talk today, I encourage you to take this Bible that you've opened up and make it yours. Put your name on the inside. That's our gift to you. We're in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Here's what we read. Now, by the way, I'm going to put this verse on the screen later in a different translation as we're comparing. But right now, let me read this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Lean not on your own understanding. There was this priest, and this is a true story, that was talking to a, a trapeze flyer. Do you know what a trapeze flyer is? Trapeze flyer is one of those early generation adrenaline junkies. Okay, and yet they did it for a living. Now adrenaline junkies, they just do it for excitement. But the trapeze flyer used to do this for circuses. You know, they climb up on... Uh, tall, tall ladder, and they get on this thing that looks like a swing, but it's not really uncomfortable seat, so they hang from it. All right? And so they start swinging. The trapeze flyer swings this way, and then the catcher is on another one, and just for ease of sake, because we'll I can't do it uncoordinated, so I'm going to go like this, okay? <laughs> All right. And so the catcher is swinging also, and the flyer is going to let loose and then does a triple somersault, and whoa. Okay, you guys doing okay? <laughs> All right. 
the trapeze flyer lets go, does this thing, and then the catcher catches. Well, the priest was talking to the flyer. He's just totally impressed and says, how did you learn how to do this? And they had this long conversation. And the more they talked, the flyer said, really, who you need to be impressed with is the catcher. Because the catcher does everything. The flyer has to do nothing. What? Tell me more about that, the priest said. And then the flyer said, you, you need to understand that intuitively, everything in you says, do this, do that. You have to tell yourself, do none of that. Let the catcher do all of the adjusting. All you do, after you do the release, after you just let go, you hold your thumb and your pinky as far out as possible and just be in the surrender position and let the catcher catch. Because everything in you will tell you, you catch, you catch, you catch. And you'll try to go for the catcher. Don't go for the catcher. You'll ruin it. You'll be dropped. Let the catcher catch. You do nothing. That's what this is talking about in that sense. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding Trust the outstretched arms of the catcher. Now, of course, as a Christian, stepping into the New Testament beyond this passage, which is still in the Old Testament, when I think of our outstretched arms, I think of Christ, who does it all for us to catch us. And yet, if we are busy trying to do anything to earn our way into heaven, to earn our forgiveness, to somehow make it happen for us, we will mess up the catch because apart from Christ, we are a mess. As soon as we start adjusting and try to make it happen for us, we will goof things up. So we learn from the trapeze flyer. Point number two. We're going to look at the ABCs of letting go. The ABCs of letting go. Now, I could have just said, point number two is let go. And that would have worked. But I, had, I wanted to put A, B, and C. So I thought, oh, I'll give you the ABCs of letting go. And actually, I think we're going to learn a few things as we break it into parts. So let's look at this verse again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. For me, that's the hard part. The not doing anything part. The don't lean on your own understanding part. The don't do what you think you want to do part. See, I'm a fixer. I'm a doer. I have this fixing thing inside of me where mm, I need to fix that. And in the ABCs of letting go, I have to figure out how to not lean on my understanding and trust in the Lord with all my heart. I have everything coming in my direction, everything from conversations with people to what people think, what other people are doing. And if I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart, I'm looking to see what God wants me to do. And my normal tendency is to not do that. So the ABCs of letting go. Let's start with A. Trust that God loves your child even more than you do. Trust that God loves your child even more than you do. Now, this is going to be a test from the earliest of months 
when you become a parent? Because what often happens, and I don't know of any situation where this never happens unless you've got something I don't have, what often happens is parents enter into this fear thing, and it can happen rapidly where your child develops a common cold, and then the parent feels like they're going to die. You don't do that? I do. They can't breathe. Maybe I'll sleep right next to them. Make sure that I can make sure they breathe. <laughs> they're okay. They're okay. They're okay. You know, I want to fix it. I want to make sure they're okay. I want to, but maybe it's not just a common cold. Maybe it's something really scary. And now you're freaked out as a parent. You got to tell yourself, wait, 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 wait. God loves my child even more than I do. Trust the outstretched hands of the catcher. Now, believe it or not, you've got to do this as it relates to you as well. <laughs> Even if you got good at this with your kid, you still got to get good at this with yourself. You know that God loves you more than you love you? I mean, we've got it built into us that we love ourselves. Some of you say, no, 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 I can't stand myself. Well, the truth is, you treat yourself pretty well. You pamper yourself, you feed yourself, you take care of yourself, you look for the next thing that will be fun for yourself. You, you treat yourself pretty well. You might, but God loves you more than you love you. And learning this thing is really, really tough. Trust that God loves you more than you love you. Trust that God loves your child even more than you do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. B, on your outline. We've said this and said this and said this. Let's write it down. Trust the catcher. Trust the catcher. Now let's see the phrase where I believe is the phrase that is telling you about this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. It's not our favorite word. Submit. What does that look like? Pinky, thumb, thumb, pinky. Wide open, I surrender. Submit. You're bigger you're greater, you're better, I messed up. I surrender. Catch me. What does that look like? And we kind of get what it looks like for a trapeze flyer. I mean, let's just talk this through. <sighs> Your first time. Climb, 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 It looks like fear, doesn't it? It totally looks like fear. You know why? Because it is. And then, after the fear, there's a decision. It's more like this. <laughs> Go, right? There's a decision. And after the decision is 
I surrender. You let go. Letting go is surrender. Here's the problem. We clutch. We cling. We hang on to the very thing that God wants us to let go of. Because we think, no, 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 no. I, I can't let go of that. And every one of us has a different thing we cling to. And that very thing we cling to is part of the problem. And God says, let go. Let go. We've trained ourselves to cling to the very thing that has become a problem. We actually go to it for our own comfort. Oh, I'm really sad. Oh, I'm really tired. Oh, I'm really having a hard time. Oh, and we go to the, this thing that he says, let, let go. Let go. Submit. Trust me. There's an old story. You like old stories? There's an old story that took place for real in Maryland. And there was a, a, a family, kids, young kids, they were all huddled around in the living room. I don't know if it was just a family. They might have friends with them. And they're all huddled around the living room in the carpet area. And, and the mom was trying to figure out, what are they doing? What are they looking at? Why, why are they so enthralled? And she got a little bit closer and a little bit closer to see what they're all enthralled with. Just like couldn't even get their attention enthralled. And she looked and there was a, a family of skunks, and they're little, little baby skunks, and she freaked out. She says, children, run! And so each kid picked up a skunk and ran. <laughs> That's what we do. The very thing we're not supposed to cling to, the, the thing that is stinking us up bad from God's perspective. He says, run, let it go, run away, get away. And we go, this is the very thing I can't let go of. This is what I'm enthralled with. This is, this is my thing. What does it look like to submit? Now, before we get back to parenting, I just want to invite those of you who've never submitted to God to think this through. Because to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding in just two lines. And then the third line, submit, letting go. So climb, 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 climb. You're right there. Totally afraid of what it means to no longer cling and to let God lead you and catch you and, and help you with a new way of operating. It's frightening, and it requires a decision, and it requires letting go of things. If you try to do it, you'll mess it up. And I run into people over and over and over again. They're so busy trying to fix their lives. They're trying to make it better. They say, you know, I want to do it God's way, and so I've, I'm going to try to clean up my act. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. And they have great intentions. They're going to do this thing. They're going to do this next. And they keep putting it off. I'll, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next. I'll do it tomorrow. Whatever they're putting it off thing, they're, they're, they're going to do it. Stop. The flyer's job is to do nothing. Let the catcher catch. Let go. And that's scary because it's surrender. It's a decision. Okay, not my will. Your will be done. I surrender. The best way I know how to help us to get a hold of that is actually use the language in our prayers. 
God, you're the answer. I'm a mess. I surrender. I surrender. Help me. Catch me. Would you help me in this thing? I keep going back to clinging to this. I can't do it. I'm a mess. I surrender. You help me. So I want to invite you to think that through today for you. Now, let's go to parenting. Michelle Anthony wrote a book called Spiritual Parenting and Awakening for Today's Families. Uh, great book. I've almost finished it. Um, here she tells a parent's blindside nightmare story. I have my own. I prefer to tell hers. At 16, our daughter had a strong desire to stay alone overnight. She wanted to brave it out and build the confidence needed to make her own dinner, lock down the house, take care of the pets, and victoriously awake with the house still standing. It felt like a challenge to her. Of course, we had our reservations, but when an overnight retreat not far away arose, we decided to give her a chance at it. She had her driver's license if there was an emergency. We had friends nearby, and my son was at a sleepover. We told her she could invite over her two best friends, lock the doors, watch movies. Sounded like a good plan, right? Wrong. The next morning, the next morning, <laughs> we received a phone call from our daughter wondering when we would be coming home. Hmm. This was our independent daughter. Certainly, she wasn't missing us. With that cue, my husband headed straight to the house. What he found was more than we could have imagined. The remains of what must have been the party of the century led a trail from our front yard to the front door. Inside were three girls shaking with fear and regret. The trash, the stench, the glares from the neighbors all painted a picture of what had transpired in the 12 hours before my husband's arrival. The girls began to cry. Skipping a section here, the tale unfolded. I'm only skipping it because I don't have enough time. You'll have to read it on your own if you want to. The tale unfolded. Three teenage girls had simply invited a few friends who invited a few friends who invited a few friends and so on. As the list grew, so did the lack of morality. By the time the house was full and then some, my daughter didn't recognize but a few of the faces. It had gotten so far out of control that she was scared. Just then, there was a knock at the door, a friendly visit from the local police department. Now, I'm also going to skip this section that talks about how the dad, he was a chaplain to the police, so they recognized the house. Isn't this chaplain? Never mind. And so we skipped that section, which was really awkward for the family. My husband called me on my way home to prepare me, and so I asked him to put my daughter on the phone. She cried, I'm sorry, mommy, a thousand times. And I prayed as she lamented on the other end, I really wanted to be a spiritual parent in this. I didn't want to simply punish her, although I had some great ones flowing through my mind. I wanted to redeem this moment for her ultimate good. After all, isn't that how God parents us? The first and only thing that came to my mind was that my daughter had forgotten who she was. Certainly, she must not be aware of her true identity or she would have made better decisions, I thought. So I told her that I wanted her to write an essay. I wanted her to entitle the essay, A 16-Year-Old Christian Girl. 
I told her to describe what that person looked like according to God's standards and his word. I didn't want to preach at her. I was curious what she thought that person looked like. She wrote, and I had to just write a summary in here. I'm skipping a section. So she wrote an amazing thing that you get to read and that made her mother realize what she realized. So this 16-year-old Christian girl should be me, she wrote at the end, but I have become too wrapped up in the world to care. I want to change and become the true example of Christ and love song to the world. I was overwhelmed. I had no idea that all the things that my husband and I had written on my daughter's heart for so many years had actually taken root. She knew them. She desired them. She understood deep spiritual truths that only God could have revealed to her. She could define her identity after all. She had made a big mistake, and many more would follow, but ultimately she knew who she was created to be. If she knew who she was but was not acting on it, then she had simply forgotten what I did next may seem strange, but I knew almost instantly that I needed to do it. As we gave my daughter her list of consequences, we also told her to pack her bags. No, we weren't not sending her away to live with her long-lost aunt, but I confess, uh, I did linger long enough so that she had to consider what might happen next. Rather, I was taking her on a trip to the mountains. What? To most onlookers, this appeared to be a reward, not a consequence, but I knew that she had forgotten who she was and she needed to spend some time with me, just the two of us. I prayed that God would help her remember by being alone with me, away from the distractions of her life. We swam. We sat on surfboards on the lake. We talked for hours. We shopped. I read to her. We ate breakfast by the lake. And slowly, I saw my daughter emerge again. She was beginning to remember. We came home and she was refreshed and stronger. She began the next school year with a growing sense of awakened identity that continues to be shaped until this day. I did not fully appreciate that moment until just a few months ago. I had, it has been three years since that mountain getaway. My daughter's words in my most recent Mother's Day card read, I love that you took me to the lake after I threw that party. Thank you for swimming, talking, and shopping. Thank you for wanting to be with me. God helped me to be a spiritual parent that day. I'm not smart enough to come up with something like that. I didn't know what was deepest inside of her that needed to be healed or what needed to be done to heal it. The ABCs of Letting Go See on your outline, reads this way. Ask God to show you which path to take. On the screen, I'm going to put the New Living Translation of the verses we've been looking at. Verse five reads, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Do you see how this mom was doing what we've been talking about each week? We've been talking about the PG dials, that there are three PG dials that all of us need to dial in. Here's the three PG dial, three questions that we've been looking at each week. On the screen, one, two, three again. Number one, what are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? There's a dial. It's a relationship dial. 
You don't need a rules dial more than a relationship dial. You need a relationship dial more than a rules dial. Number two, what are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? And number three, what are you doing to influence your child's relationship with others? So this mother cried out to God and said, God, what do I do here? She was blindsided by her own child when she trusted her child. She thought she'd prepared her child for this moment. We will be blindsided too. When we're blindsided, we need to ask God for help, and he will probably give us some direction that's going to affect one or more of these questions. So let's ask ourselves again, what are you doing to enhance your child's relationship to you? What are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? What are you doing to influence your child's relationship with others? Ask God to lead you and show you which path to take over these questions. And maybe it's just one question. God, help me in this. He loves you more than you love you. He loves your child more than you love your child. I don't know if you've recently been blindsided. God says, trust me on this. Follow me on this. Do this. And look to God for that kind of help. Would you pray with me? Father, we are each a mess. Apart from you and apart what you've done for us, we are bent. We have been born with that bent identity where we tend towards independence and we lean away from you and our children do too. And Lord, we ask you to help us with the new identity that you offer to us through Jesus, the forgiveness that's available to us if we'll turn to you, the Holy Spirit that you empower us and equip us and help us once we've been forgiven and washed clean. And Lord God, the wisdom and guidance you'd be happy to give us as we walk with you and lean not on our own understanding, but we turn to you and get to know you and trust you and walk in your will and turn and let go of my way and my will. Lord, our kids live right there too. Help us to teach our kids to trust you. Help us to help them to dial in to a relationship with you. Give us practical equipment. Lord God, if there's anybody here that has never surrendered before you, we ask that you'd be calling for them to speak out a prayer of surrender, asking you to help. We thank you for your willingness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.